Welcome back to the BRPF podcast, guys. I'm your host, Alex Uslar, episode 34. We got the man Chad Penson on here. All right. Chad, if you guys don't know who Chad is, you look on open powerlifting. You already know on these episodes, I love to have open powerlifting history. I'm a big nerd with the numbers and shit like that. I know a lot of you guys like that too. He's up there at the top, top three, baby. 650 dots. The number four, way behind that, right? Chad came in, he pushed Zaheer, which by the way, I don't know about you, dog, but I'm excited to see that fucking Zaheer comeback. That's wild, bro. Yeah. Like yeah, our I'm generation, sure. we grew up just watching those videos and shit. And I know half the people who listen to this podcast, half the kids on Instagram have no fucking idea, but that's nuts. You pushed him down to number four, right? Legendary motherfucker. Top three, all right? All-time world record squat. Been competing since 2012. Welcome to the show, bro. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hell yeah, man. So you just competed this past weekend. You just competed at the American Pro about four weeks ago, five weeks ago. You've competed a lot over the last year since you've climbed the ranks, hit your all-time world records. But like everyone listening to this show knows, I like to take it back. Let's start from the beginning before we talk about present day and everything that goes with present day. So what got, what were you doing? What was Chad Penson doing before powerlifting? And how did he find powerlifting? Ooh, that's that's a, that's a pretty easy answer. Um, actually, I was uh, wrestling in college. Uh, that I dropped out. Uh, so, but I was trying to find like another outlet to uh, kind of, you know, you do a sport for like six years. You kind of like you need an outlet or something to do to kind of fuel that competitive nature. Uh, so, uh, I was I was gonna get big. I didn't really grow much, but uh, that goal didn't really come to fruition until later, but I found uh, powerlifting at a gym while I was in tech school uh, in the Air Force uh, in 2011. And one of the guys there was like, hey, we got to meet today. You want to just drop in? And I didn't know what the hell it was, but I kind of fell in love with it ever since. I sucked, but I kind of just kept going. And 10, 12 years later, here I am, you know? (laughs) Well, so I'm guessing that first meet that you talked about that was just like a pop up. That's not an open powerlifting. First meet we got for you on open powerlifting 2012. But leading up to that first meet, we'll talk about that first meet in a second and kind of getting bit by the bug of powerlifting. You find that gym, but before that, when you were wrestling, what weight class were you wrestling at, and were you lifting while wrestling, or it was really just like conditioning work and 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 wrestling? Uh, I did a. I tried to lift. Uh... Well, I didn't try to lift. I lifted a lot. I was lifting probably since I was like nine. I kind of okay. used to like put used to put weights on like a broomstick. Me and my cousin used to lift. I used to live in Mississippi. We used to lift on our porch uh, with a broomstick with the weights in the middle. We pump it. Uh, we just we just loved working out, and that was kind of a thing. I was already pretty strong, like for my age and my size. Um, so when I got to uh, high school and I started wrestling, I was. Uh, I was really small, probably like 100 pounds, 103 pounds, which is the first weight class I wrestled at. And uh, I was a lot stronger than pretty much anybody my size, even like a few weight classes up. And uh, I didn't – my coach didn't let me live because I was starting to gain weight really easy. So I pretty much did like mostly cardio stuff, like in-season, off-season. I would go in there and I'd pump some iron pretty hard. And uh, with 103 freshman year to 119, so I went up two weight classes my sophomore year, 125. Then when I graduated, I was a 135-pounder. Um, I went from just being a musclehead 
to actually honing my technique and actually using my strength to my advantage a little bit better over the years, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I always loved lifting weights, but I couldn't really devote, like, real passion to it till after the, the wrestling phase was over because I was like, – like, now I put on masks pretty easy. Uh, so kind of had to do it on the back end a little bit, not too crazy with it. Yeah, even in the like that high school history and going up those different classes, like you hear those numbers, those seem so small and you were very light, but the fact you were able to yeah. make those jumps and then like kind of build that mass while keeping a small frame for sure carried over to you when you started powerlifting. So first first meet on open powerlifting history was twenty twelve Raw Nationals, but you had to have done something before that, right? Uh no, so well. Did, I did that beat I told you about when I was in tech school, and it was a, uh, I think it was APF, and I'm not sure how I got into it. All I had was shorts and a t-shirt, but so that was the only beat I actually done on record. But the record's never really updated, so that's gone. I don't even remember my numbers, but it was like 300, probably like 315 squat and deadlift. I never actually deadlifted before to that meet, and they uh, I benched like 250 or 260. Something along those lines, but I don't think there was a. I don't think the qualifications were there for USAPL back in the day. The meet was a. It's not. It was a far cry from what nationals are now. But it was a, of course one of the first few raw nats that they had. It was in Killeen, Texas, and uh, it was my first time seeing um, Jen Thompson and Ken Walford lift, and it was pretty humbling. To, I was a one sixty five pounder. See, to see Jen bench like three hundred three. I think I benched three fourteen that day, and I was just. It hit me in the chest a little bit, you know, but yeah, that was, that was my lead up. I drove all the way to Colleen from New Mexico. Uh, I trained pretty much from that first meet uh, in 2011, kind of obsessively. I just scoured the forums on like uh, bodybuilding.com. So you remember those days before Instagram was really big. That was like knowledge source going like T Nation and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I figured out my training a little bit and kind of focused on actually getting strong versus just trying to get big for change. So take me through, cause I, I love to hear what you just said, like that, the T nation, you know, the bodybuilding.com, those were the early resources, you know, that you could find some different program templates, like everyone and their mother ran five, three, one or something at one point. Right. Um, yeah. So what did your training look like leading up to that first meet? Cause although it's like, you look at it and you're like, Oh, those numbers compared to now, but at that time for 165 pounds, 2012, like if you would have done a local level meet, people be like, damn, this guy's almost squatting, you know, 400. He's benching over 300, like almost double body weight. That's pretty impressive for your first time around. You obviously had all that history, tons of training behind you. But do you feel like you were like a more, you were structured leading into that meet or it wasn't till after that where you started really gaining like your proper footing in powerlifting? Uh, really kind of like pre, I want to say like pre 2015. Um, my training was a little, it wasn't as like, uh, structured as it is like, you know, now and mapped out back then it was more, it was real, the, the simple stuff, like five, uh, like five by fives and really, really simple linear progression. Like I do five by five at five pounds on like bench. And then I had like 10, 15,000 squat. And I mean, you know, it, it really milked the, those new newbie gains, you know, for a while. And I mean, I kept it simple. My whole first like probably five, six years of doing this, I lifted in really shitty equipment and on base gyms. So it was just straight bar weight and hex plates for deadlifts. I and mean, it was it was awful. But 
just the training was pretty, you know, like I said, it was real simple, just pretty much five by fives. I hammered the hell out of accessories. Uh, I used to beat my triceps to death. I used to do a lot of pull-ups. I used to watch all the guys doing like calisthenics and stuff like that, the flag poles. I thought that stuff was cool, trying to keep my keep a semblance of athleticism. Uh, they didn't really care about aesthetics too much. I was pretty lean back then, like I said, only 165 pounds, but I was like maybe 170. So, but yeah, I mean, it was back 2012, 2013, me was very, very simple training. I would just throw my, I used to throw my logs up on uh, my training logs on uh, bodybuilding.com. I can't remember my username, but they're probably, probably still there if the forms are even still there. But yeah. <laughs> So take take me through those kind of first four years before we get into like boss of bosses and that era, right? So you go 2012, 2013, you compete a couple times. Then you have a pretty big gap between uh, between 2013, 2016. So you were yeah. you're in the military at that time. Kind of take me through that, what your training looked like. Because then after that, 2016, we start hitting and that's where it's competing, 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 right? Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's see, 2012, 2013, I was in New Mexico. Um, so I spent pretty much all my time in the desert. Uh, there weren't a lot of meets there. Uh, so like USAPL wasn't nearby. So like I said, I had to take, if I wanted to go somewhere for like USAPL meets or something like that, I had to take like a lot of leave and stuff like that and travel. And back in the day, you know, I was an E3, E4. And if you look at the, <laughs> the military pay chart for 2012, uh, without housing and all that, I'm making like six, 700 bucks every two weeks. So Obviously, I'm not I'm not booking hotels and flights just to go on a little a trip, a hobby trip because we weren't getting paid for powerlifting like even remotely close to where we are now. So picking meets was it was strictly hobbyist level, and um, I did a lot of uh, 100% raw uh, small drug tested federation was kind of where I got my my uh, my foothold in powerlifting for the most part while I was in New Mexico, and um, I was training for uh, I think their nationals. Is, I think they, it's like a regional tournament where they take all the results from regionals, and that's how they get their national champion to keep everybody from traveling to one spot. And uh, I was training for that, and I think I was running I was running Smolov. And I, it was like the second day of running Smolov, and I, I tweaked my back so hard on like the second rep of a squat. It wasn't anything crazy because like – I did some research and I knew Smolov was like super intense. I was like, I'm gonna knock off a full 10% of my max because squat was my weakest lift at the time. And that's probably gonna shock people, but like squats were just not moving. It took me forever to break like the 402 barrier on squats. And um, so I was like, I'm gonna hit this shit and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit 500. I think at the time 165 record was like 501 or something. Like it was unheard of for 165 to be squatting more than 500 back in those days. So like uh, I was like I, I can do this. It's it's only a hundred pounds away or so. So I'm like I'm gonna hit small off and I, I should be fine. Well, uh, I tweaked my back so bad. And I think it was 2013. That's where you see that gap. Uh, I never had to go to the hospital. They couldn't really find anything when they finally decided to give me a, uh, an MRI. But I had I've since had sciatica so bad that it would flare up just from picking up like a t-shirt. Even now. But I've learned to uh, manage it a lot better. But like I couldn't, I wasn't walking for like like normally for like two or three weeks, and I had to pretty much I just did upper body flows that two year gap you see. So uh, had to pull out of that meet, and I thought I was done powerlifting honestly until I think late 2014 or 2015. There was a like mock meet 
at my base and I uh I squatted 425 and I hadn't done any squats in like pretty much that whole time because I was I was scared, you know, saying like the pain I had from that injury was probably one of the worst. Like I would roll over in bed at night and wake up screaming. Um so when I when I hit that 424 squat, 425 squat, I was like, I can probably come back and do this again. So I, I started training a little bit, took my time, and um, I actually had a deployment come up, I think at the end of 2014 to 2015, somewhere along that time. I went out to uh, – I got deployed to Africa for six months, and that entire time I just focused on focused on squatting. But I had to change my deadlift from conventional to uh, sumo because conventional was too much stress on my back still at the time. And uh, – yeah, by the time I came back, I think I was squatting almost 600. I think I was squatting. I think I ended up leaving there squatting like 550 or 560. And I made my – I think I went up to 181 shortly after I came back from like my first meet. Which I think – I think I didn't do a meet till 20. Then I came back and did that same uh, 100% raw uh, regionals. Uh, I did like I think two, two or three weeks. Summer, summer that. 2016, right? Did a little bit there, then again yeah. summer 2016 with that same federation. Then December of 20, uh, no, then then you wait till December 2017 is then when you start going to USPA and doing some other federations, right? Yeah, I went to Korea and I put in order, I put in a request to get uh PCS to California because I was watching all the like policy was really starting to blow up. And uh, yeah. I, I, everything was happening in California. And I was like, if I really want to do this, like on a big scale, like I had been watching like USAPL, like IPF, and I was seeing like John Hack and Brett Gibbs, and they had their big battle. And I was like, and at the time, I was like, I want to beat Brett Gibbs. But then I, was, I saw John beat Brett, and I was like, well, if, you know, if that guy, I don't, I, I want to go for the top <laughs> dog. <laughs> and uh, and that kind of fueled my fire because like at the time, like it wasn't like. And I like this. I set unrealistic expectations to a degree at the time, but like, if I look back now, it was like it was actually realistic. I just didn't know it at the time that I could actually achieve the goals I set. And I was like, well, if I want to beat the best, I need to go train and you know compete with the best. And at the time, that was like the current U.S. Open and all these other big meets, Boston, Boston. I was like, I have to get in that area. I need to train with these these monsters <laughs> and. And get get to that level. So when I got my orders to California, I was like, "All right, we got work to do." And I think by the time I left Korea, I was squatting over six hundred. I deadlifted over seven, and I, I was benching over five. I was like, I, "I'm, I can, I got some potential." So, so then you hit you hit USPA, you hit USPA National. So take me through this period because this is where I first saw you competing, right? Because this is where it starts snowballing pretty quickly. You went from this kind of federation that only if you're in that area you know about you find uspa within your first year back you're here in california you compete at at, <clears throat> at our nationals for uspa right in in vegas mm. like it always was and then yeah. the next month after nationals you compete at boss of bosses five so <laughs> yeah. how, did, how did that happen how did that happen because you had to know dan green you had to get noticed by dan green uh, how, how did that unfold Okay, uh, it's a, it's kind of it's not a funny story, but to me it was like a, a shot in the dark. But I, I just kind of I just threw the ball up to see what happened. Uh, so after I competed at nationals, I uh, I actually had tweaked my I think I tweaked my groin a little bit 
on a squat. Uh, so I tried to dunk it, and they called me for depth for some reason. I posted that squat before, and everybody was like, "That's they're blind," but whatever. I'm not getting to that. But um, so I tweaked my my uh, groin. Uh, but at the time, I also had, uh, I had also just fired my coach. I think after that, and uh, kind of took training in my own hands. But I really just didn't squat from that five weeks until boss of bosses because I had strained my groin, like I said. But I was like, I need to get a 600-pound squat because I had to see I got it on paper. I, but I did it in Korea. So to get to boss of bosses, I saw that uh, Dan had posted it. And I was like, you know, uh, I saw his email in the, uh, I think in his uh, Instagram page. And I just shot in my numbers via email. And I was like, hey, I kind of kissed the ass a little bit. I'm sharing the email. I was like, hey, man, I really want to do the meet. These are my numbers. And I would really like a shot. And because uh, I don't I don't think at the time, like I was on anybody's radar, uh, especially looking at. Uh, I don't think people were really looking at like um, USPA Nats is like a like, a, you know, like this is where this is where your criminal crops usually competing at. Even even then, um, they were all going to like, you know, turn. They were already on the radar from Boston. Boston. They were the legends that were already competing there. So they didn't have to do nationals or anything else. So uh, I just shot the shot and. uh he actually emailed me back. Well, obviously he emailed me back. And I was like, yeah, we, we love to have you. So I was like, All right, okay, bet. This is this is it. So I pretty much just kind of focused on recovering the leg. I thought about my numbers from uh, nationals and kind of was like, okay, I can probably make some better attempts here and there. Which is kind of where I get my my idea that, you know, compete back-to-back meets isn't terrible as long as you can stay peak because you can, you can make smarter attempt selections. And that's, that's always been my philosophy. As long as you walk out of there without being jacked up, you can probably make an impact on the next meet just playing it smart. And uh, I think I did pretty good. I can't remember exactly what uh, how that meet played out, but I think... Uh, boss of bosses, you went nine for nine. And yeah, I did really good there. The, the USPA meets, because they use the different software, in open power, I think it's so annoying, they don't show all the attempts. They only show whatever your successful mm. one was, so you don't know if it's a fucking three for nine or whatever it is. But it's funny, because that year, 2018, we competed at that Nationals, and you said your squad was bullshit. It's like that was the <laughs> year of the infamous Kern US Open, just four months yeah. before it, right? The last year yeah. that the Kern was, was, uh, was USPA before it became WRPF, where it was like, Everything was red. So USPA kind of had that that role then when you went into nationals, because I, I might have been at nationals that year. I'm not sure because I've been at USPA nationals the years prior. And I remember I was like, what the hell, man? Like, come on, come on. You see these these yeah. old lifters, you know, squatted pretty much as deep as they can. It's three reds, even from the front. It was like a, it was like a US Open all over again. But so you hit you hit that that national champs, go to Boss of Bosses five, fucking just is five weeks later and you turn it around and have a nine for nine day. So it definitely makes sense with what you said of the smarter attempt selection, learning from whatever might've happened hiccups from the previous meet and how you can kind of game plan things accordingly. Right. Yeah. So that meet boss boss is five still at one eighty one. You do another meet later in 2018, but then boom, big breakout happens early 2019 with the current, right? I yeah. Remember, uh, I remember that was one of the first times yeah. that I actually met you because I was there with Daruin, right? And you guys were both competing. Yeah. And uh, Daruin, I think, was... I think you guys were both, because he missed 165. You guys were both 181 at that meet. And you, yeah. ha- you had yourself a hell of a fucking day. I don't remember where you ended up placing overall, but a 591 dots 
40 pound, 40 dots points from your previous meet after mainly competing in raw. Right. But you threw on the wraps and had a hell of a day. Yeah, that was my, uh, that was my second meet in rap. I signed up for it once I learned I qualified, signed up, uh, I signed up for another meet in, uh, in raps right before that. Cause like I said, I never done raps before. Self-wrapped myself for a little bit and then showed up to that meet and was like, I'm okay self-wrapping. The wraps I had were pretty soft. They were the, uh, I think there were some Stronghouse Project wraps. Not too aggressive. I uh, did this meet in Colorado with my coach at the time. And um, I had self-wrapped the whole prep. Then I got them, somebody there actually wrapped for me. And I was like, oh, this is this is a game changer. This is so much tighter. I can't, I can barely walk. Uh, and I was like, I could, and I actually took that as like, okay, if somebody else can wrap for me, I can probably eke out another like 30 or 40 pounds between now and the Kern. And I think I ended up going like, I just squatted 700 at that meet in Colorado or close to 16. I think I went. And then you squatted 733 at the Kern. So, yeah. And I think I missed my third at the Kern. I'm not sure. Uh, But yeah, man, that was, that was pretty much the start of uh, getting into raps. And I, I uh, didn't hate it. I didn't love it either, but um, my coach came out and his wife wrapped me for it, and that was a pretty good day. I actually ended up finishing fourth overall to uh, uh, who got third that year? Uh, oh, Jason LeGrand got third overall that year. Okay. Yeah. Even though yeah. you had a huge breakout performance with a 591 dots, nothing to – shit on in any meat also that was when they were using uh wilks so that's probably what also yeah. you slightly lower if we were to look again i'd be curious where you placed but i just remember that was the meat where cody blazik totaled 2k at 181 right in raps which was like a holy shit everyone was like what the hell you weren't far behind it you know but that yeah, was just nice this is for 20 yeah, 1923. That was just such a standout moment that it, like, you know, kind of overshadowed other things. And that, that was a hell of a year at the Kern. Yuri was there, right? I think that was one of the last times he came. He's come over to the U.S. since to compete. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was that was a hell of a year. That was a hell of a year. So after yeah, that, that lo- looking at your history after that, it just became pro powerlifting from there, right? So kind of talking through those years you've still been active duty right or or yeah. while still competing at a very high level yeah so yeah, i got my work laptop in front of me now <laughs> how have you kind of juggled doing both of those having a lot of years in the sport and specifically selecting these meets and being able to make them work uh man it's honestly been a kind of a team effort um both with uh, my wife, Bria, she has helped out a lot, with, like, you know, getting stuff around the house, helping me get ready for the meets, kind of helping uh, take some of the stress off. And then at work, um, the last two years specifically, I've had a lot of support from my uh, my actual leadership team. And uh, the year, a couple of years before that, they were kind of coming around. They didn't really know what Providence was uh, until like my last year there. I think I, I think when I broke the record at the American Pro, they were kind of not the American Pro, at the Kern, the late the, the Kern that I won, they were like, whoa, that's pretty big. So that's when they were like, oh, yeah, we support you and all that. But I didn't really care about all that at the time. Like, you guys didn't even know I was really doing this. But 
and they, as long as they were gracious with giving me like the time off that I needed, uh, that was fine. The biggest struggle really is just um, coming home after like a really long day of work and dealing with the stress of that and then having to go train. Um, which is like I had to get a home gym and, you know, come home from a day, long day of work, you know how it is. Like you just, you got stuff to do. You got, you got, you know, responsibilities, dogs, kids, whatever the case may be. You got to go in and like, I still got to get this work in because I got this need coming up or you just need to get, build a foundation before you even jump into another prep. And that's, that's usually the biggest struggle is just dealing with like the work stress and then coming back home and trying to get your actual, like, you know, your side gig or if you want to call it or your hobby work done at the same time. So that has been the, the hardest part, especially lately. I'm, I got a bigger position uh, now and it's been, it's been wearing me out uh, on the stress side. So, but uh, making it work best we can. For sure, so, man. So after those, so your history, right? We climb, we go from 165 to 181. Then that, that Kern was your last meet at 181 before going up yeah. to 198. At that point, I'm sure you, you, I think with your wrestling background, cutting is bread and butter for you. You, you, we probably used to do that for wrestling. You have done that so well over the years. It shows right before you did the current, you didn't meet at 197. Then you made it, you weighed in exactly at 181 for the current just four months later. So you were cutting for 181, decide to go up to 198, compete at 198 mm-hmm. for a while, had the, like what you said, one of the, one of the biggest, biggest performances being at the 2021 Kern, right? Because 2020 got canceled um, at 198 in wraps. Previously before that, doing the hybrid showdown raw and totaling over 2K. So how have you kind of figured out where and when to go up when floating between that 198 mark and then going up to 220 at the first time at the American Pro? Uh, So... I guess I go back to like the, the my going up to 198. So when I went up to 198, uh, that was an accident, <laughs> uh, and that was my first time that I needed to move up and wait. I actually, uh, Bria was with me there in Texas uh, for the tribute meet, and I was trying to cut to uh, 181, but I think I was was it like 190, 180, 190. I was like in the 190s the night before, but the weight wasn't coming off. I didn't really have the the resources to cut the weight. Like I was sitting in a hot car trying to sweat. I'm like, this isn't working. Couldn't find a sauna. Couldn't get any, like just, I just couldn't get the weight off. So I was like, and I, and I was already in a really bad state. I think when I was flying there, like my chest even cramped up just sitting in the airplane. And I mean, I wasn't that big at the time, but like, you know, if I just move my arm, my chest starts to like shake and I have a spasm. I'm like, all right, I probably don't need to push another 10 pounds of water out. Um, so, uh, at that point, I kind of looked. I looked at Brian. She was like, "You don't need. You shouldn't do this." And I was like, "The only reason I was cutting to 181, it was going to be my last meet anyway, was to go against uh, I think John at 181 for the first time." But good thing I didn't do it. I got my ass handed to me more so than I did because I would have cut too much water off, and the refeed would just would not have been worth it. I probably wouldn't even made it to the meet. Honestly, that would have been just severely unhealthy. So. Uh, looking back on the other times I moved up, it's kind of been I kind of judging on my weight cuts. Like if the weight cut is still easy, obviously, like right now I'm cutting. Uh, even if I get up to like two thirty, it's just it's probably just food and just a little 
water weight that's just kind of lingering. I can cut down to 214, 213, which pretty much minimal effort with like three hours in a sauna after a week of water loading. So I'll obviously be at 220 for at least another year or two, and I got room to grow. Uh, for 198, I was like, that last time I could have 198, it was, it was rough. So I kind of look at it like I'm going to take a hit on my dots, but like my health is a little bit more important than trying to keep this weight down. Because if you keep cutting all that weight, and you're dying the whole time, every time, over and over and over again. Your performance is not going to get worse. You can put 100 pounds in your total in training, but if your weight cut is twice as hard as it was the last time, that 100 pounds is going to turn into maybe a 20-pound PR, if you PR at all, and that's if you even make weight. So, and all the extra stress is just not worth it. So I kind of prioritize my performance over, like, oh, do I want the dots that bad? Like, I could have probably cut three or four more pounds for this past meet that I just did, and if I didn't hurt myself, my leg, I probably had a, I probably could have edged out uh, Shane with the, even with the Wilkes meet. But like, I didn't know I was gonna hurt myself, so I was like, I probably don't need to do all that. We'll see what we can push out and just have a good battle and have some fun. But it is what it is. So I kind of just push right now. I'm pushing it as much as I can until I'm like, all right, this is, I don't need to do this, and I get out. But yeah, cutting now is like I just judge off how hard the weight cut is, and if I need to move up, I'm moving up. You get the gains back anyway. For sure. So let, let's take it to the last like year and a half or so, right? So starting at the American Pro, the first one, you competed 220, <clears throat> first meet at 220. Were you originally going to cut to 198 for that meet or the plan was 220? Uh, so the American Pro? Yeah, the first one. Uh, the plan was, uh, no, the plan was 220. Yeah, the plan was 220. Uh, cause I had my eye on Yuri's squat record at the time. And, uh, the, the thing was 917 or 914. And uh, that was always the plan to go 220 and take that. So, if people don't know what happened at that meet, second attempt, you broke the all time <laughs> record squat. And it was fucking yeah. fast, bro. Like, that shit was sick. And someone's got to go in and uh, update open powerlifting because it said your third attempt was a 953 attempt, but they need to put in what it actually was, right? Yeah, was I was looking at that. I was like, hey, right. <laughs> Which was a misload of a thousand something, right? Yeah. So would you say previously, historically before that, you had that back injury from years and years, years back? But in any of these competitions, for the most part, it seemed like it was kind of small tweaks and you were okay. But was that like that squat injury at with with that thousand pound squat because I know that affected you quite a bit. Is that yeah? Is that or did that s start to snowball some of these other issues that you've had recently that you've been uh, dealing with? Uh, no, not, at least not for this past year. I don't think so. Um, I know at the meet it uh it definitely impacted me pretty bad. And then I'm I'm an idiot and I was like, well, you, they misloaded me. Let me go retake the right weight once I found out because I was like, if I get it, it's more weight. That's more pounds of my total and i thought i could do it because 925 was you said it was fast but like i didn't unrack it right i felt the pick was terrible but i was like i also felt the weight on my back and like okay i can i can muscle this up and i'll just rest up and i'll come back on the third and i can still push the weight up and uh i picked the, the thousand three was perfect i couldn't even tell it was it was misloaded about 100 pounds um until i got about three quarters of the way down obviously and then i folded like a lawn chair but um I don't think that injury specifically affected uh, any any more recent injuries. No. 
it didn't mess my mental a little bit, but that was about it. For sure. For sure. So go, going from there into that meet, hopping from the American Pro to the Pro Raw, going back in sleeves, power surge back in sleeves, been in sleeves back and forth, going into the American Pro 2. So let's, ta- let's talk about these recent meets that you've done. American Pro 2, the meet you just did this past weekend. Um, talk to me how those preps were, how you felt going into them, uh, what happened at the meets. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So for American Pro, uh, obviously if we back up to uh, was it January? <laughs> Don't call my foot. Get off me. <laughs> uh, we go back to January, and I had the uh the the two the bilateral quad tears. Uh, I was actually training for Ghost, and you know I had to pull out of that because I ended up in the hospital for like five six days, and I spent like three or four months trying to recover from that. Uh, get my strength back up. I did a, a small uh, local meet here in uh, actually here in Fort Walton and I kind of put everything back a little bit. I was like, okay, we're going to still do the American Pro. And the weird thing is when I started prepping for the American Pro, I figured if I start longer with my prep and wraps, that'll give me a bigger, you know, more time to practice. I'll get my swing, I'll get my swing back a little bit better. Uh, in hindsight, I think that was a bad idea. Um, because previously all my rap meets that I've done, literally all of them, I've had, I think at most four weeks in raps, uh, except for American pro two. Uh, I was, I had some, something that prevented me from doing, doing more time raps. Either it was another meet I was doing in sleeves, uh, prior to that or something else. Um, so this past one, I did, I think 12 weeks in raps. It was the worst 12-week rap prep. Well, just only 12-week rap prep. It was the worst rap prep I've ever done. I was falling out of the, the mono. Uh, I couldn't find my width that I wanted. I actually had to bring my width in because uh, 12 weeks of doing raps with my wide stance that I squat in the raps uh, actually destroyed my hips. So a couple of weeks I had to just either not deadlift or I had to not squat because I couldn't. I definitely couldn't deadlift for like two weeks because my hips were destroyed because I was doing a lot more uh, volume with the deadlifts too. So I think the combination of that, uh, the, the long prep and the reps with eight, 900 pounds uh, scaling up over the weeks and then doing six, 700 pound deadlifts with also a wide stance like that was just, it killed me. So I actually had to bring my uh, stance in about two inches. So it kind of changed my squat a little bit. Uh, so I don't know if anybody notices, but if you look at last year's American Pro and you look at this year's American Pro, I'm, to me, at least considerably more narrow in my stance. Still considerably wider than I am in sleeves, but uh, so the prep was just, it was not good. <laughs> bench went, bench went, well, it didn't really, uh, it didn't show in the meet after I uh, tore my uh, quad at the meet, but um it was a lack of leg drive there, but uh, yeah, everything was it was just not a good prep. Like the whole thing was it was a train wreck. Well, I could see knowing how I've coached lifters in wraps and some of them being able to handle longer periods of times in wraps. When you're a near thousand pound squatter, that amount of overload and that amount of loading on your back, 
knowing that the raps add a lot, but just to your central nervous system, it's shocking and it's definitely hard to maintain. And you're relatively a very strong raw squatter as well, but I could see how going the route of uh, prepping mainly raw and then just greasing your groove there at the end, knowing what you're going to get out of the wraps and out of a taper and a peak with a fresher body would be better. So yeah, I can see that. But I mean, it's all about the learning lessons as well, right? You're still young in the sport, still plenty of time. It's all about gathering that data, taking that data, seeing where it's worked and where it hasn't, and then putting it all together. So with that, yeah. you you still open 400 kilo squat, hit a 400 kilo squat, attempted to break your own all-time world record, um, and still had a good day. Still won best overall in reps, right? So yeah. Then turn it around, jump straight into this next meet, right? This past weekend. Yeah. Uh, so the idea for that was, uh, like I said, I did that meet, I think, in May in sleeves um, right after I had the quad tear. And uh, I think I squatted like 771. And I was really happy with that because I was a PR at the time. I had been, I've been an 800-pound raw squatter for like two years. Uh, I just hadn't put it on the platform yet. So, like, I think my PR at the time before that meet was 750 or 755. And then I came out of an injury, a pretty bad injury. It hit 771. I was like, okay, we're on the right track. Um, still not quite 800, but this is good after an injury three months ago. Um, so my idea was uh, I can do another rap sleep meet, you know, a few weeks, six weeks after the, uh, the American Pro. I had some good overload time. Yeah, I can take a week off, kind of see where I'm at, push the peak in, in sleeves. Should be an easy transition. Uh, seeing that should be firing pretty hard, and I can still give it a little break. Um, so I signed up for the meet, I think, like a month and a half or so before uh, we even went to the American Pro. Down here in Port, uh, Port Charlotte, so it was only like seven hours from us. Uh, to me, it was like a no-brainer. I'm like, okay, I can knock this out. Shouldn't be too strenuous and possibly win some money. I think prize was like five grand and I get to compete with, with Shane. Uh, and I thought that would be fun anyway. So we rode into it and then, but obviously I didn't know I was going to have another quad strain <laughs> leaving out of the American pro. So I had to take, I took two weeks of just kind of rest recovery uh, for the, the quad, which I couldn't, I couldn't really bench uh, well either. I think I, the most I benched prior to the meet was like 45, just kind of keep around like 90%. Uh, to stay peaked a little bit. Uh, deadlifting was also out of the question for a little while. I think the heaviest I deadlifted prior to that beat was like 7.05 or 7.16. So all things considered, the prep for that was almost non-existent uh, rolling into it. So I can't really be too upset with the results because it was still a great result. I went in there after the quad injury. I hit, I think, 6.35 three weeks after the meet. 716 or something like that and then 782 the following week and that was the that was the extent of my my peak for that meet then i went there and hit uh managed to hit 804 which is the goal i've been trying to hit for obviously like a year and a half two years now um i sacrificed my leg for it <laughs> and i knew that after my opener because i actually felt the the quad strain a little bit on the the opener squat and i went to the table and it was like I had my wife with me, Bria, and I was like, I, this is going to be my last squat. <laughs> this, this is going to be it. And she was like, okay, you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to load up 804, and if we get it, 
we're still in it a little bit. If not, I'm definitely not in the running for for uh, overall. But we'll just see what we can put together on the day. Um, the pro- the idea for that squat was to kind of hit the hole with little resistance, so I wouldn't uh, wouldn't tweak the leg too much on the uh, eccentric portion. I'm trying to fight the weight. Uh, hit the whole kind of dive bomb it a little bit and fought for my life on the way up. Had like a couple yeah, tears coming down. <laughs> yeah, you but, did. Uh, when I got those white lights, I was like, I'm good, man. I just left my way to the back and was like, get this get this sleeve off me and give me some leave or something because this, this is going to hurt. So uh, wrapped it up with some ice. And uh, yeah, that was, that was how squats went. Bench was okay this meet, but uh, missed my third. I think I damaged the leg a little bit more at least a little differently i didn't have a lot of leg drive from my left leg uh on bench so the third bench just was not it was not coming up after that uh after uh, about halfway up and then uh Dallas was a i don't really know what happened there obviously uh i know the the leg was jacked up so i had to kind of throw a sleeve on my leg to kind of compress it a little bit so i could still manage to pull which is the same thing i did at the pro so the idea was like if i just pull the same way. I kind of know what pain I'm in for. And the sacrifice there was at the kind of, the weight was a little further in front of me. So I had to kind of fight it back, which got me on my opener because the bar whipped on me a little bit. And uh, I got hit up with a downward motion. So I retook my opener to be safe. Cause like, okay, I'm not trying to lose my squat just for, you know, an extra few pounds. At least I walk out with an 804 squat and have it official. So stayed there, retook 750 and, Smoked it just fine. It was a lot cleaner. Um, then the 804 was the, the second. Well, it was my third. It was the planned second. And uh, we were pulling it pretty good. It was still way in front of me. Like, I, it got away, away from me a little bit more than I wanted it to. Managed to lean back with it and got it locked out. But uh, right at lockout, the uh, there's like a muscle right here that attaches to your like sternum and then also to your clavicle all the way to like right here. And I felt a pop and my arm just kind of like I actually felt it drop a little bit. And um, I just like instinctively just kind of threw the weight back in front of me. And then I was my light, lights went out for a second. And uh, I don't know if that was like a, a body's fight or flight response to like shut down to like keep me safe or something. But after that, I was like, I reached for my. I tried to reach for my shoulder, my uh, neck, but everybody thought I was reaching for my chest. So they all thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> Sorry for everybody. Who got my wife thought I was having a heart attack. Uh, my the spotter, uh, David, thought I was having a heart attack. So I'm like, I'm, I'm good. I'm just, I, I'm all too short and I can't actually reach up here when I'm leaning. But um, turns out I probably, I'm getting, I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. So I don't know what the actual diagnosis is, but I'm pretty sure I strained these two muscles pretty bad. I don't think they're torn because I don't have any, like, fully torn because I don't have any bruising. I don't have any bruising on my leg either, so. But uh, the whole left side of my body got wrecked pretty good at that meet, so. What did I had you, a good time. What did you end up totaling? Um, Let's see. I went, I think, 20, 2055. So about five kilos under my my, my current best. And that I was is, shooting, I was you would have hit that deadlift, it would have been over 2100 in sleeves then? Yeah, it would have been 2100. Nice. Which, nice. Was, which was the goal minimum. So I'm like, okay, for a, I got two squats, I got one deadlift and two benches. So for five for nine, I got a bum leg, I got a jacked up arm and neck. So 2055 with one leg is not, I'm not too, too pissed about it. So 
and 20, I'm I'm 21 pretty much being there when you're not healthy in sleeves is huge. And even while battling all these things, it's like that's proof that years and years in the sport, you've still been able to climb up the ranks and take these learning lessons and know how to adjust and know what you need to implement the next time around, right? So I'm, I'm assuming it's safe to say going to have a pretty long off season before you come back, right? So what's what what are the next goals? What is the next possible plan? Uh, honestly, so my eyes uh, my eyes are kind of set on the two twenty uh, sleeve record. My boy Joe has it right now at I think eight forty nine. Uh, I'm not gonna chip it because I, I don't want to disrespect his record. I'm gonna break it by a whole 2.5 keys because I'm a man. I hope he hears this. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the plan is to is to go for that uh, eight probably 854. So I'll be working towards that pretty much my off season after after rehab and kind of getting some volume in. I need to get as healthy as possible. I want to actually finally get a 551 bench. So I'm gonna go back to upping my bench frequency a little bit. Um, and also, I want to learn how to deadlift. I haven't hit a deadlift PR since the current. I haven't pulled 804 since the current. And obviously, I have the strength to pull it. I've pulled it a few times. I just haven't done it in the meet. And again, since the current. So I'm like, if I can actually get some confidence in my deadlift and stop opening it with 720 and 750 and just open with like 770 and or 804 and get it out of the way, then, you know, I, I'll actually add some weight to my total. Because um, I got, I'm, I know I have the capacity to total over 2,200. I just need to be healthy. And that's in, in sleeves. I know in wraps I can probably total 2,350 on a healthy day with a good prep. Uh, so those are probably going to be my goals for next year. I'm just going to jump right over 2,100, shoot for the 1,000 kilos in sleeves, and shoot for Yuri's record again in, in wraps. Um Hopefully, I, but I I can't. I'm not gonna rely on my squat too much, because uh, in the past it's kind of been my thing. It's like, oh, you you know, you're you're a squat guy. Just squat half the total and you'll be fine. Um, but I need to you know stop relying on my my one trick and uh, actually build my lifts that haven't been moving. Because we a lot of us we all get tunnel vision and I I can recognize that. Oh, your squat's going up, but damn, you you haven't benched the PR in in two years. You haven't deadlifted the PR in three years. Maybe there's a problem here. So I'm actually focused on those things in the offseason. Uh, probably add a little bit of actually lean size, not just eat uh, PB&Js all day and cereal. Uh, so I'm going to try to dial those things in, uh, try to actually make, make it so that my cut is harder, but because I put on muscle and actually just cut to like 218, 219 instead of being able to cut down to 213, 214. So those are my uh, – goals for improvement i don't have any meets planned um uh, for next year yet i'm i'm planning on doing the cage uh that won't be a meet and i will not be 220 i'll be a full body <laughs> full of water boy uh at whatever event i'm doing um so the recovery will be focused on that i'll be doing a lot of volume so whatever i do there will probably be for reps um and uh so my goal right now is focus on getting healthy for just that event i'm not gonna push it too crazy uh, and I'll look for a meet later in the year. Probably going to be American Pro 3 um, is one. And I might do this meet we just did here again, too. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a nice uh, local-level meet that, uh, <clears throat> that they put on. So, I'll definitely look into doing that again. Maybe I can go against uh, Shane and see if I can beat him at his, his own Wilkes game this, this next time. 
Hell yeah, um, man. Yeah. Well, that's, if, much, that's the plan. If you guys listening don't know what Chad's referring to when he talks about the cage, y'all are young, first of all. But yeah. the animal <laughs> cage at the Arnold, right? So that's that's coming up in March. You got about three months, three and a half months, something like that till then. Yeah. Um the animal cage, they don't usually announce the events till closer to it. But historically, they've had all-time world record powerlifters, all the best in the world, doing some kind of exhibition, some kind of exhibition lift, uh, whether that's like, you know, Chad might go for 700 pounds, 800 pounds for reps on squat or whatever that might be. So that'll be really cool to see. It's really cool that they're bringing it back because it's been hell. I think the last animal cage wasn't since 2019. So this will be the first one in fucking five years. It's nuts. It's nuts how quickly time goes by, man. So that will be yeah. uh, that'll be exciting to see. Stay tuned for that, guys. If you're going to be there at the at the Arnold, that's you don't want to miss that. American Pro Three is a no brainer that gives you tons and tons of time um, to kind of build until then. And like you said, Jordan Wong, he's crushing it out down here in uh, in Southwest Florida with what he's yeah. doing. That's my boy. So super cool to see, um, dude. Thanks for hopping on, man. Thanks for telling us your story. Thanks for telling us about these recent meets and what might be next. Sign us out. Let everyone know where they can hear, uh, they can find you and where they can read the infamous Pence and Q&As. <laughs> uh, so you can find me on Instagram at King Pinson Lifts. Uh, and shout out to all my sponsors, uh, Amino Asylum, Iron Rebel, where I'm now, Live Large, uh, Reach Supplements, uh, zone smell results. If you want to use my code, it's just my last name. I'll make it easy for everybody. Penson, P-E-N-S-O-N. Hell yeah. Check out Chad on Instagram. I believe he has most of the sponsors in his bio as well. Thank you all of our listeners, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the WRPF Podcast. <laughs>